Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and welcome to our latest vodcast. And this is going to be on the current status of lung cancer screening. Uh, it is one of the more interesting topics in the sense that I was involved with the National Lung Cancer Screening Trial, which came out very positively more than a year ago, saying that screening does help in smokers. And we thought we'd be inundated by patients signing up to get their chest CTs. But interestingly, that's not been the case. And every other center I've spoken to, that's not been the case. So really, where do we stand with lung cancer screening? And what are the best recommendations? Well, the NCCN, the National Comprehensive Cancer Network, uh, does have some good guidelines they recently posted, and their guidelines are very similar to other people's guidelines, but let's look at some of the information. Lung cancer is a leading cause of cancer-related mortality in the U.S., and in the past year, 160,000 plus people have died from lung cancer. Five-year survival rates for lung cancer are about 15.9%, and that's typically because most patients will present with late-stage disease at time of diagnosis. Now, when you go back, way back when, more than a dozen years ago, looking at where the lung cancer screening idea came from in part, now, of course, we tried doing lung cancer screening way back when with plain films, and not surprisingly, that wasn't helpful. When you look at lung cancer screening, everything sort of begins with the Claudia Henschke article in Cancer more than a dozen years ago. Now, in this article, what they were able to find and detect were lung cancers far more common by a factor of four on CT than plain films. But what was very impressive, that stage one malignancies were six times as common. And of the 27 CT detected cancers, 96%, an amazing 96% were resectable, 85% of these being stage one. Okay? So you can see this showed several things. One, that CT is far better than chest x-rays for detecting lung cancer. That was sort of obvious. But two, when you use screening, and these were all heavy smokers, and you pick up unsuspected cancers, you're picking up them at an early stage. Estimated five-year survival of CT-detected malignancies were 60 to 80% over the current rate of 15%. And she goes on to say, although false positive CTs are common, they can be managed with minimal use of invasive diagnostic procedures. Now, that was incredibly good data, and many people said, okay, this article alone, we should just do screening. But of course, the issue tended to be the fact that we detect many other nodules that are not malignancies, and this can be problematic. And how often is that a case? Well, we wrote this article looking at cardiac CT, which means you're looking at about 60 to 70% of the lungs. We looked at 1,326 consecutive patients, about a quarter of which were current or formal smokers. And what we noticed was, out of those patients, 103 had uh, extracardiac pathology requiring clinical or imaging follow-up. Most of them were lung nodules, 53 with non-calcified nodules on the resonometer, 12 with non-calcified nodules over sonometer, and 24 with non-specific infiltrates. Now, several of these patients, of course, ended up having cancer. In this study, 7.8% of patients undergoing screening CT exams were found to have important extracardiac pathology. And one of the things we mentioned in this thing, of course, is the importance of reviewing the entire CT scan. And here was just one example, nodule right middle lobe, and here's a nodule left lower lung, and both of these were cancers. Now, other articles, same thing. This article by Haller, looking at uh, coronary CT and extracardiac findings, 
And the main thing they found that had an impact on patient management was bronchial carcinoma and pulmonary emboli. But again, 24% plus had extra cardiac findings. This article by Johnson, 23% had one or more extra cardiac findings. Of the 6,920 patients reviewed, 16% had a finding necessitating therapy, workup, or follow-up. So again, screening is not all that simple because you will often see things that are not important, but you're going to see a lot of patients with findings. And only a small percent will the findings indeed be significant. Now, when the National Lung Cancer Screening came along, that was one of the questions. You know, would low-dose helical CT alter the landscape of lung cancer screening based on some of the prior studies? The NLST was conducted to determine whether screening with low-dose CT could reduce mortality for lung cancer. And that is the key thing behind the trial. Now, the trial was patients aged 55 to 74, minimum of 30 pack years. If they were a former smoker and they quit within less than 15 years, they could be eligible. Patients with history of lung cancer or prior chest CTs or weight loss or hemoptysis, any clinical symptoms were uh, not eligible for the study. And we, we enrolled about 54,000 patients, about half had chest CT, half had plain x-rays. They had three screenings at one-year intervals. Now, again, the downside was recognized, the high false positive rate, the potential for overdiagnosis, the potential risk of radiation, which was a very small issue, particularly with low-dose studies, and the risk to the patient with a workup. For example, you're chasing a lesion that ends up being benign, but you get a pneumothorax. So there are many different things that can potentially uh, be problematic. Nevertheless, it took many years, but about 10 years later, the results came out in this National Lung Screening article, and there were several things that were said in this article. Now, let's look at some of the things. Over this two-year period, 54,000 people were enrolled, 33 sites. Data was collected over a period of between five and seven years. The study had a very high adherence, 90%. Positive screening test was 24% with low-dose CT, 6.9% with radiography. A total of 96.4% of the positive screenings and 94.5% of the radiography group were false positive results. So you could see most of the studies are false positive. The incidence of lung cancer was 645 per 100,000 person years in the low-dose CT group compared to 572 per 100,000 person years in the radiography group. There were 247 deaths from lung cancer per 100,000 person years in the low-dose group and 309 in the radiography group, representing a relative reduction in mortality from lung cancer with low-dose CT of 20%. The rate of death from any cause was reduced in the low-dose CT group as compared to the radiography group by 6.7%. So you can see there's two things. One is a 20% decrease in lung cancer mortality. And this was the thing that was the purpose of the trial. So very impressive results. And the patients did even better overall. Now, maybe perhaps because they were getting a CT of the chest, we saw calcium in the coronary arteries, and they then went to a cardiologist. There are a number of potential reasons, but you can see the results were pretty good. 20% decrease in the mortality from lung cancer. Okay, no problem. And so Eberly concluded screening with the use of low-dose CT reduces mortality from lung cancer. So you would say, well, that's pretty simple. The answer is there. But she goes on in that article to make the point 
that although many people and agencies and organizations are contemplating lung cancer screening based on the NLST findings, she felt that although the findings were really good, in her opinion and in the author's opinion, it was insufficiently uh, informative to fully inform and make such important decisions. So she was not willing to say that before public policy recommendations are made, the cost-effectiveness of low-dose CT must be rigorously analyzed. Reduction in lung cancer mortality must be weighed against the harms from positive screening results and overdiagnosis, as well as costs. So again, she was not willing to say, although the results were very positive, we should screen everybody. And then once people read the article, Silvestri, Annals Internal Medicine, although the NLST results are perhaps encouraging, they did not tell us enough that we can be sure that patients who undergo CT and attempt to find early stage lung cancer will have more benefit than harm. Jet says, although there are limitations, the 20% decrease in deaths is a single most dramatic decrease ever reported for deaths from lung cancer, with the possible exception of smoking cessation. Physicians should offer CT screening for lung cancer to patients who fit the high-risk profile defined in LST. So you can see the difference. Some people say, let's be cautious, let's not rush into things, and some people like Jet say, full speed ahead, this is what we need to do. This article by Field, there remains unresolved issues with respect to CT screening for lung cancer, including the feasibility, psychosocial and cost effectiveness, harmonization of CT acquisition techniques, management, on and on. And this is in the United Kingdom and England. And so they're doing another study to really see if it's the right thing to do. So it is a challenge. And the NLST a report led to the NCCN recommendation in October 2011, and they considered all of the possibilities, uh, and they thought that it is the right thing to do within that age group, and here are some of the charts from there, and I won't go through the charts with you, but nevertheless, the NCCN did come up with a scheme which very much matched the NLST scheme, scheme for looking at lung cancer. And concluding, lung cancer screening with CT should be part of a program of care and should not be performed in isolation as a freestanding test, given the high percentage of false positive results and the downstream management that ensues for many patients. The risk and benefit of lung cancer screening should be discussed with the individual before doing a screening scan. And that makes a lot of sense. And they also said that you need to have a multidisciplinary approach with radiology, pulmonary, internal medicine, thoracic oncology and thoracic surgery because of the multiple findings that will occur. And again, 95% are going to end up being inconsequential. And their recommendations, they followed the rule. High-risk individuals aged 55 to 74 with greater than a 30-pack year history, very much like the NLST. And they recommended this as Category 1. They were full blast behind it. They also mentioned moderate-risk patients, and low-risk patients really did not, at this time, need to get screened. And those are considered moderate risk, aged over 50, greater than 20-pack years, but not 30. Uh, low-risk patients, under 50 age, and less than 20-pack years. Okay, And so, in fact, they do not recommend screening for those patients. Now, the uh, NLST and the NCCN, those type of guidelines, again, made the point that there is a challenge in the entire process, but 
based on the 20% decrease in mortality and decrease in all-cause mortality, it really is probably the way to go. Now, despite that, within the year that followed, we really were not seeing patients who were coming to us to be screened. Article by Bach and JAMA. In terms of potential harms of screening across all trials and cohorts, approximately 20% of individuals in each round of screening had positive results requiring some degree of follow-up, while 1% only had lung cancer. There was marked heterogeneity in this finding and in the frequency of follow-ups, biopsies, and percentage of surgical procedures performed in patients with benign lesions. Major complications in those with benign lesions was rare. He concluded that low-dose CT screening may, be, may benefit individuals at increased risk for lung cancer, but uncertainty exists about the potential harms of screening and the generalizability of results. So again, you can see even a year later, it's still not clear. This article by Boys again, talks about some of the risks, some of the rewards. A major risk of CT screening is a high false positive rate with associated risks and costs associated with follow-up CT scans and the potential for more invasive procedures. Published guidelines indicate a consensus that screening may be indicated for patients who meet criteria for NLST, but some guidelines expand their recommendations for screening beyond these criteria. So again, the question, Bocell makes individuals at high risk of lung cancer who meet the criteria for CT screening should participate in an informed and sharing decision-making process by discussing the benefits and some of the problems. So again, I think everyone is coming to the conclusion that NLST results suggest screening should be done, but it's sort of a buyer beware. There are many, many issues. Now, the NCCN came up with their most recent guidelines in March of this past year, again, making the point the goal of screening is to detect disease at a stage when it's not causing symptoms and when treatment is most successful. They comment that the large fraction of the population without the disease should not be harmed, and the screening test should not be so expensive that it places an onerous burden on the healthcare systems. Thus, screening should improve outcome, be scientifically validated, be low risk, reproducible, accessible, and cost effective. Okay? And so they go back, same thing again, come out with the idea that lung cancer screening is good. They do have. Again, the worry about the false positives, the downstream testing, and they like. But as long as it's done in a multidisciplinary setting, they feel it's the thing to do. And again, their conclusions, age 55 to 74, 30 or more pack years. And they go through some uh, recommendations. Annual screening is recommended for the high-risk individuals for two years based on LST. Annual screening can be considered until the patient is no longer eligible for definitive treatment. Again, however, uncertainty exists about the appropriate duration of screening and the age at which screening is no longer appropriate. And again, it's very interesting because you see one of the comments is, how long do I need to screen you for? Is it the rest of your life? That is indeed a good question. Again, they discuss patients who are younger, maybe age 50, with less of a smoking history, 20-pack years, but an additional risk factor. Perhaps these people should also be screened. And at this point, they were kind of a little bit less certain as to what to do. So some of the potential risks of lung cancer screening, the biggest one is these false positive results. It takes 350 
positive studies to get one cancer. So you're going to have a lot of patients you're going to be working up for no reason. The stress on those patients, the potential issues of complications of studies are always going to be a problem. Again, uh, indeterminate results are often the biggest challenge. Radiation exposure is a consideration, but again, low-dose CT makes this a small problem. But again, very, very important challenges. Uh, the uh, article also mentions the importance of the protocol, low-dose protocols, so patients get minimal radiation dose. And here's one of the conclusions, and this is a slide I'll leave you with. Lung cancer screening with low-dose CT is a complex and controversial topic with inherent risks and benefits. Results from the large perspective randomized NLST showed that screening with low-dose CT decreased the relative risk of death from lung cancer by 20% in a select group of high-risk individuals. The NLST results indicate that to prevent one death from lung cancer, 320 high-risk individuals must be screened with low-dose CT. So again, your risk-reward for the right patient it's a lifesaver, right? 90% are going to have stage 1 disease. But again, the issue is in the big population, 320 to 1. So it's a challenge. I think screening is coming along. But again, multidisciplinary center, carefully monitor the patients. Don't overread the studies. And so there's lots of interest in screening, more on the academic side. But interestingly, as I mentioned at the start of this talk, patients are not yet knocking down a door. So we'll see what happens. And with that, thank you very much for your attention.